0: The Irish Times Inside Business Podcast, in association with EY, building a better working world. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. This week I'll be looking at the prospect of a new global insurer entering the Irish motor and home markets, and the latest performance data from Enterprise Ireland and Borbia, and what it tells us about the health of the Irish economy. I'm starting with insurance and a story this week by Joe Brennan of the Irish Times about a South African company called Outsurance eyeing the Irish market for expansion. I began by asking Joe to outline their plans.
1: Yeah, so we haven't had many insurers setting up in the Irish market in in recent times. I mean, the Irish market is, well, the insurance industry, the general insurance industry is a cyclical industry at the best of times, but... uh, Certainly the Irish kind of version of the industry has been a kind of a boom-bust kind of industry in the last uh, decade or so. So we haven't seen, we've seen some capacity come in and out of the market. They'd be outside uh, insurance companies that would come through brokers that would come in to have come in and, and exited the market, depending on uh, the levels of profitability that they uh, that they get or gain in the market. Some have actually blown up in the market itself, I found it very challenging, but this is the first. Outsurance, the South African firm, is the first uh, insurance company, uh, certainly since uh, Liberty Insurance entered the market. Um, through the acquisition of, of Queen Insurance from administration in 2011. It's the first insurance company that's looking to set up a kind of a boots and mortar operation, bricks and mortar type operation in the Irish Republic with a, uh, a fully fledged regulated uh, entity with, with boots on the ground.
0: Okay, now tell us uh, what you know about Outsurance and what their plans for the Irish market are.
1: Yeah, so um, Outsurance was set up in 1998. It was set up as a subsidiary of a financial services company called uh, Rand uh, Merchant Investments uh, back then. Since then, Outsurance has, uh, it was kind of set up as a kind of a disruptor back in the day. Um, since then, it's kind of grown up, uh, grown a, a pretty significant market share, close to about twenty percent of the personal lines of insurance in the South African insurance market. It's also in the Australian market as well in in, in more recent times, but in South Africa, the size of the business has become so large that actually it's it, it's become basically the the, the 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 major part of Rand Merchant Investments. And late last year, because of its size and because Rand Merchant actually sold off some other uh, parts of the business, including a 30% stake in a UK insure, uh, Hastings, in, in, in the last few years, that essentially swapped Rand Merchant, which was listed on the Johannesburg Stock, Stock Exchange, swapped its listing for that of uh, a- 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 Outsurance. And basically Outsurance is, has been, the group has been, <coughs> excuse me, rebranded as as, as outsurance in, in, in general. In terms of the Irish market, so they haven't commented publicly um, on the plans for the Irish market, but they did signal in their annual report, uh, which came out, their, annual, their full year runs to, their financial year runs to the end of June every year. So in their most recent annual report, which came out in September of last year, highlighted that they were looking to get into a, a new market but wouldn't, didn't say what the new market would be, um, and they said on a conference call that the the focus in the new market would be on personal lines of insurance, which essentially is house insurance and motor type insurance. Even though the group itself has got a commercial business as well in Australia and, and South Africa, but the main focus, it seems, for the Irish market is on the on the, on the personal front. Yeah, Joe, how big is the Irish market, and how competitive?
0: Uh, is it in those you know, in terms of car insurance and in terms of uh, home coverage? Because you mentioned that you know Liberty taking over Anglo. That was probably the last big player to come into the market. But we did have some small players kind of passporting in, didn't we? The likes of Satanta Insurance, for example, in the car market, and that ended very badly.
1: Yeah. So the overall size of the motor market uh, is about one point three billion of of premiums every year. Satanta, as we well know, came into the market and imploded spectacularly back in 2014. And because it was a Maltese-based uh, company, it had no there was no insurance uh, compensation fund in the home country for Satanta. So it had to be picked up here in Ireland. And there was a bit of kind of pass the parcel uh, in terms of who would cover the costs and eventually kind of uh, fell on the Irish uh, insurance compensation fund. Another firm that came in that was uh, also came into the Irish market was Enterprise Insurance that was based in Gibraltar and it had a similar kind of uh, implosion. Now the size of the, uh, the the losses there that weren't covered was uh, only a kind of fraction of the the, the claims, which were about ninety billion at the time. Sorry, ninety million at the time of its collapse back in two thousand and fourteen. But we also see, you know, uh, insurance comes international insurance companies and And uh, capital markets kind of send in money into the Irish market to cover kind of various parts of of uh, offer various parts of uh, lines of insurance offered through brokers or offered through uh, underwriting agents in the Irish market and they come and go as they kind of judge the profitability or otherwise of, of of the market okay so I suppose the question is why would a company from South Africa be targeting the
0: Irish market? What does that tell us about the current state of of the Irish scene,
1: yeah, I think it's look at. I think initially it's surprising that we would see a firm look to set up in the Irish market, given that most of the capacity has been going the opposite direction. But in fairness, there have been a number of reforms, and certainly uh, the government has been kind of really pushing the Ida to go out there and and fly the flag and try and bring in additional capacity into the Irish market. And the story that they would tell is that look at first and foremost. We've seen the central Bank set up the National Claims Information Database uh, initially for motor uh, insurance and, and laterally for more recently for employers liability and, employer, uh, and public liability and, and commercial insurance. So that's kind of given a level of detail to outsiders looking at the market that wouldn't have been uh, here up until recent years. And then again, probably the second big move um, has been that the uh, Judicial Council established uh, new guidelines back into the April 2020, 2021, in terms of uh, personal injuries uh, awards. And we've seen a dramatic decrease in the level of awards under those guidelines in, in, in recent times. We've also seen the Personal Injuries Resolution Act uh, being acted uh, late last year, which would give the Personal Injuries uh, Assessment Board kind of greater kind of powers and allowed to broaden its range of of, of services, so it will be used more in terms of settling claims than people going to to the to the High Court. Um, and also we've seen kind of a, a push to kind of rebalance the kind of the uh, duty of care of of property owners with that of personal responsibility of people actually using, using their premises. Uh, and again, probably more for consumers and for insurers themselves. We've seen the central bank last year banning the the, the 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 practice of of price walking, where loyal customers are charged more the longer they remain with an insurance company.
0: Yeah, and I suppose after some uh, some years when premiums were rising and we were told that they were rising substantially because of the cost of uh, claims, that seems to have settled down. And insurers, I mean, I saw in your story, you're saying that insurers made 176 million euro in profit between them from motor insurance in 2021, which is about a 13% margin on on the premiums they took in. I mean, that's quite decent,
1: doesn't it? It is, and certainly look at a new insurer coming into the market wouldn 't have the issue of legacy uh, uh, claims on on their books as well, so they 'd be able to benefit more from the, uh, the reforms that have gone on in the Irish market, whereas existing operators still have to kind of settle claims that would be under the, the old regime and and be more costly than maybe claims that would come through for a, an insurance company coming into the market itself, but certainly the motor part of the business. It was largely loss-making. It was hugely loss-making back in the middle of the, the, the last decade and, and there's been a kind of a, a bit of a catch-up going on in more recent times. We saw premiums jump by about 60 to 70% in the four years to 2016, 2017. They've come back a bit since then, a fair bit since then. Um, insurance iron will say that it's down about 27% uh, from 2017 and certainly there's room to... For, for for further uh, decreases in motor premiums. Um, but the problem is that the motor part of the business has, because it's so profitable, has been largely subsidising the more challenged uh, employer, employer's liability and, and public liability uh, part of the insurance industry in, in Ireland in recent times. And we're continuing to see increases in the likes of insurance premiums in a limited market uh, of covers, actually offering this type of insurance for the kind of the leisure sectors, the tourism sectors, the charity sectors and and other kind of more challenged areas. Joe, just remind us who the big players in the Irish market are in
0: terms of uh, motor and home insurance.
1: Yeah, so the biggest player um, in the Irish market would be AXA. But the, the, the list of players would include... Allianz, AIG, uh, Aviva, RSA, FBD, some of whom had problems in more recent years. You saw back almost a decade ago that RSA had a problem where they had to be bailed out by their UK owner because of the size of under-reserving against claims that were mounting in that business. And they came in and had moved aggressively into the Irish market and clearly uh, underpriced uh, the, the, the level of risk that was in the book. Also FBD in 20, 2015, required a, essentially a, a bailout investment from Canadian uh, firm Fairfax. Um, so it's a challenged industry um, at, at the best of times. Yeah,
0: sure. Now, if insurance does come into the market, how long before they might be up and running? How long does uh, the whole getting your authorization, how long does it take to get set up?
1: Yeah, so they were saying and again, they're not talking about the the the, the 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 market that they're targeting, but they were saying in their annual, most recent annual report that they would be looking to set up in the financial, have established in the financial year to 2024, and their financial year would be to July, June, July of of 2024. So that would be in the next eighteen months. Now they haven't made an application yet with the central bank. Um, but often in these cases, you you have engagement up until to a point, and it's just a matter of process to 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 actually submit the actual application. A lot of the groundwork would have been done by by then. So they're laying out that they expect to be in in up and running in the financial year to the to June of twenty twenty four. That's the next eighteen months or so.
0: Now, I see from your piece that Peter Boland, director of the Alliance for Insurance Reform being very active in this market and trying to uh, uh, get work done to bring premiums down. He's he's welcomed, um, the, you know, the idea that uh, another insurer will come into the market and saying that it could benefit greatly uh, consumers. So, from a consumer point of view, if insurance does come into the Irish market, does this hold out the prospect of
1: lower premiums? Potentially. But then again, you know, uh, in the Irish market, the last thing the Irish market needs is an insurer to come in and drastically undercut the market uh, and destabilise the market as well. So I think the hope would be that they would bring down uh, premiums to an extent, but would not kind of undercut the market and and lead to the type of scenario where we've had in the past where other insurers chase after uh, a a firm that comes into the market and undercuts uh, other players. I think the other part is that, okay, while the focus is on personal lines, the hope must be, given that outsurance are also in the commercial uh, business insurance uh, sectors in both uh, South Africa and in, in Australia, that once they get to know the market here in Ireland, that they will move into that area and provide much-needed capacity in the in the business side of of, of the market.
0: Joe Brennan, thank you for joining us. We're going to take a short break now. In the next part of the show, I'll be talking to Owen kennedy of the Irish Times about the latest economic indicators from Enterprise Ireland and Borbea. Back in a few moments. At EY, our purpose is to build a better working world. As one of Ireland's leading professional services firms, our exceptional people are at the centre of everything we do. We deploy technology at speed and innovation at scale to deliver exceptional solutions for our clients enabling them to transform and grow. To find out more, visit ey.com. Welcome back. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. Enterprise Ireland and Bord Bia both this week published their reviews of 2022, showing strong performances from their client companies. Oambert Kennedy of the Irish Times covered both events and joins me now to go through the headline numbers and explain the import of the data amid talk of a global recession. I began by asking you to take us through the headline figures from Enterprise Ireland.
2: Yeah, so uh, Enterprise Ireland, remember, is the state agency Just supports um, domestic companies, helping them to kind of scale up and, and increase their global footprint, as opposed to the IDA, which attracts in foreign investment. Now, their client companies increased their employment footprint by about 20,000 in 2022. So we got that uh, data point from the agency's end of year report. The net employment increase was around 11,000 because there was a decline in employment of around 8,000. So the net increase was around 11,000. Now that's a pretty good uh, and a strong performance in the face of the inflationary pressures on consumers and businesses, in the face of rising energy costs, in the face of a tight labour market, and with the lingering effects of the pandemic. So another positive uh, data point on the labour market
0: yeah, so tell us which sectors have been doing well, and which ones maybe fell off in terms of employment?
2: Yeah, well, they pinpointed the life sciences sector, which of course is one of the strong pharma related industries here. They also pinpointed technology and services, and they pinpointed some food technology companies that were doing particularly well in the sector and of course, that leads into the board beer figures uh which highlighted. Really strong showing from food exports in the last twelve months, so yet yeah, the board beer figures um basically showed that food, drink, and horticultural product exports were valued at just under seventeen billion last year. Now, some of the increase reflects higher prices for unit for unit products, but the agency also talked about higher volumes, and one of the interesting points it noted was that the u k which is now outside the European Union and has always been kind of pinpointed as a potential danger for our food exporters here because we rely so heavily on our nearest neighbour. Actual um, exports to the UK are up around 20%. So at the moment, we're uh, doing quite well on on food and drink exports and the big Brexit factor is not having an impact at the moment.
0: Yeah, now, it, was, it wasn't all honey and jam, was it? Because Simon Coveney was at the press briefing... And he did warn of the deteriorating economic outlook and how that might impact on job losses here this year.
2: Yeah. So what what he said first was, interesting enough, um, he made a number of interesting points. But what he said first was, whatever happens this year, and he did highlight that there would be setbacks and there would probably be job losses in a number of areas. But whatever happens, he said, we're starting from a, a fantastic point in terms of the labour market. Where unemployment is still growing strongly, and we had another data point today showing us that, um, where uh, the headline unemployment rate in the economy is running at four point three percent, which is the lowest rate for two decades, and which is tantamount to nearly full employment in the Irish economy. But anyway, he warned that um, you know we're starting from a strong place, and that there's going to be a global downturn. Many of our peer economies are going to fall into a recession. Ireland he said wouldn't, and we would try and endeavour to ensure that it won't. Um, but he he also then uh, warned that um, housing is still a big, big issue for businesses here. And that uh, point was made also by the head of Enterprise Ireland, uh, Leo Clancy. So, um, you know, there's a, n- a number of confusing data points around the Irish economy. On one level, in terms of jobs, we've been very strong in creating jobs over the last 10 years, in 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 other points like housing and uh, you know health, we are obviously falling down, and that reflects the fact that there's just greater demands on the economy and greater demands on social services here.
0: Yeah, now Bord Bia, obviously, looking at exports uh, of food products, and Enterprise Ireland is focusing on Irish-owned companies that essentially have a, a global footprint of some type or another. But what about the actual domestic economy? Oh, and what data points do we have there to tell us what's going on with, let's say, the SMEs that are focused entirely on the Irish market? Because we hear a lot of stories about staff shortages, about soaring energy prices and how they're impacting on the bottom line for a lot of SMEs. And uh, we're also hearing about, you know, wage expectations um, rising substantially. And uh, some data out today showing that uh, activity in Dublin, uh, for example, slowed last month.
2: Yeah, it's it difficult to pinpoint just if if the strong drought f- figures that we're having from a number of quarters is merely uh, the quiet before the storm and, and will things get quantifiably worse as the year progresses. It's always been um, flagged to us that, you know, after Christmas, the worst of this inflationary crisis would be felt by households. And that's because, you know, heating bills... Uh, Costlier groceries, um, increased mortgage payments would weigh on consumer spending. And as you know, consumer spending is the main driver of economic activity in any economy. So the question is, we have a few positive data points, but is that going to dwindle and diminish and soften in the coming months? I mean, it's almost certain that it will soften. The question is by how much. And as you said, that uh, PMI from the S&P earlier today did point to the first actually downturn in activity in Dublin. The first uh, breaking a sequence of six positive growth quarters. So that's, you know, kind of like a real-time data. That report's based on around uh, a survey of around 200 companies in the capital in various sectors like services, manufacturing. Uh, So that gives you a kind of feel that there is a softening and a cutback in activity and that's all based around consumers uh, feeling the pinch from these higher prices.
0: Yeah, there was some positive news uh, in that he seemed to be holding out hope that the issues and the arguments around the Northern Ireland Protocol, that that impasse uh, could be broken, which
2: would be a positive for us. Yeah, there's been ongoing troubles, as you know, in terms of the Northern Ireland Protocol. And that's been a wrangle between Europe and uh, London for a number of years. Now, he did pinpoint that the the new Rishi Sunak uh, government in the UK had, if you like, uh, changed the mood music around negotiations. So we said there was a different approach to negotiations. And he did note that the fact that a lot of the negotiations weren't being leaked into the media was a good thing. It it was a sign that both parties trusted each other. And there's been a, a sort of breakthrough in terms of data sharing. One of the worries for Brussels is that products that are going from Britain into Northern Ireland will go on further into the Republic and into the single market and they want to um, data to keep track on where the products are going. Uh, The British side now has agreed to share that data with Brussels so that seems to bridge that problem. There is other problems coming down the track. There's the remit of the European um, court, the uh, food checks that have still to come in in Britain, so there's a way to go. I think there was hope that maybe a deal on the protocol would be sorted by the uh, 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, which is in April. He, uh, Mr Coveney, described that timeline as tight. Nonetheless, he sounded very positive about the prospects for a breakthrough. But obviously there's been more uh, movement uh, politically in the North today, uh, which suggests just that... Uh, Maybe suggesting a breakthrough in is coming in the next few weeks might be somewhat premature.
0: Yeah. Now foreign direct investment is important to this economy. It's not really part of the remit of enterprise Ireland, but Simon Coveney was asked, wasn't he, about the impact of these tech uh, job losses that we've been seeing over the last uh, weeks and months. Amazon uh, only this week became the latest one to announce uh, layoffs. It's, uh, it's going to cut 18,000 jobs globally and it announced uh, also this week the closure of three UK warehouses. Did Simon Coveney give any indication, as to the, the government's thinking, the likely impact of those uh, international moves on employment here?
2: Yeah, well, he sort of flagged his uh, positive sentiments around the Irish economy by saying, look, we're going to experience setbacks, and it's almost certain that we're going to have multinational job losses. Um, he said at the moment Government officials were in communications and in contact with Amazon, but they were not aware or not aware yet as to what level of job losses would occur to the company here. It employs around 5,000 people. The, the, the suggestion is that um, Ireland would be relatively insulated in terms of uh, the global job losses that Amazon are about to impose on its, its wider operations. But as you saw yesterday, uh, three big warehouses closed in the UK, impacting up to twelve hundred jobs, and uh, and the size of Amazon is just huge. You know, I mean, the, the restructuring involves uh, a job reduction of eighteen thousand, you know, which is, is, is a mammoth number. So he did also note that Goldman Sachs, a uh, different sector, uh, was also uh, announcing a restructuring with job losses. So he. He sort of said it wasn't just the tech sector. So, his his point was largely that we're starting from a very strong position in employment, but there will be setbacks, and there's no way of avoiding them. Um, you know, these companies are, um, you know, announcing layoffs and reversals on mass around the world, and that Ireland was kind of, I suppose, powerless to help, and because we host so many of them, that uh, you know, a lot of the job losses would be visited upon us here. Um, it's just very difficult to know, um, you know, just how much of an impact that will have on the wider economy. And again, as, the, as to the point I made earlier, are we seeing just the kind of quiet before the storm? Um, most of the economic forecasters here are predicting that the, you know, growth and consumer spending will soften, but that we won't see a recession. So that's the kind of lay of the land right at this point. But everything is a little bit uncertain. Um, because one of the main factors in the midst of the global reversal is the war in Ukraine and no one can predict which way that's going. It seems to work um, one way for a few months and then move in a different direction. Um, the Department of Finance officials told me a few months ago that you know a lot would depend nearly whimsically enough on how cold the winter would be and up till this point it hasn't actually been that cold in Europe and therefore energy supplies are relatively strong at the moment. So that's worked in our favor and it does not suggest that we're not going to see another major hike in energy prices anytime soon. But that that situation could change rapidly and we could be, instead of looking at softer variables, looking at a reversal anytime soon. So it's, it's very difficult to tell at the moment.
0: And uh, finally, Owen, he spoke about housing and a lot of employers and a lot of uh, groups and indeed state agencies like Enterprise Ireland have mentioned housing as being a bit of a drag, a potential drag on the economy and the fact that people are finding it so hard to secure housing and secure it at an affordable level. So what did Simon Coveney have to say in terms of how the government is going to tackle this? Because Leo Veradker, since he's become Taoiseach only a few weeks ago, has put it top of his agenda, hasn't he?
2: Yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, he talked about the housing targets this year and next, noting that this year, at least anyway, the output, the housing output would probably exceed the government's target and next year would be either close to it or just under or just over. And uh, he said that. And then in the same breath, he said this just wasn't enough. Um, he then also talked that, about the fact that, you know, in some ways, the Irish economy, because it's so strong, and um, we've been a kind of victim of our own success. So in many ways, the, the strength of the economy, the strength of employment, Immigration has has you know given us an extra pressure around housing. Of course, that's you know um, not doesn't really really mean much for people who are trying to buy housing. And we hear this in relation to you know business and foreign direct investment a lot. That the housing crisis is going to basically you know act as a drag on future growth. But it doesn't seem to have uh, as yet, despite how acute the problem actually is for the people of this country. So yeah, uh, it's it's something that the new Taoiseach is making a point as you'd expect um of his, of, his, of of the administration, but um it doesn't seem like there's any um you know additional policy or additional measures being put in place at the moment. We're just waiting for additional supply to come on stream and you know, that's kind of it. There's no kind of new measure. There's just a kind of additional emphasis from government ministers. Just remind us, own what are the government's targets this year in terms of housing output? Well, they were expecting to be building between twenty four to 26,000 units this year. we will probably come in uh, at over 28,000, so we're going to exceed them this year. Um, the figure for next year is about 28,000 and expectations are we'll be twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine thousand. It's difficult to tell at this stage. The problem then down the line is, has the higher input price inflation then pushed a number of projects off the agenda or delayed them or made them not viable? Uh, So the government's target for the next 10 years in its housing for all strategy is, you know, is it viable anymore with the higher cost of construction?
0: All right, and 26,000 to 28,000, I think you talked about this
2: year. Do you mean 2022 or 2023? Just to be clear. Yeah, Sorry, I mean 2022. So the expectation is we'll get around 28,000 units built last year. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, let's see how they get on. Umbert Kennedy of the Irish Times, thank you for joining us. Okay, that's it for this week from
0: Inside Business. My thanks to Joe Brennan and Umbert Kennedy. The show was produced by Declan Conlon with JJ Vernon on sound. Thanks also to our sponsor EY for its continued support. Remember, if you're a subscriber to the Irish Times, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.